instructions are to prepare for an attack by an unknown enemy. I am an illegal alien. I suppose next you'll say aliens don't exist. Duh. By the sons of Warband, I shall avenge you. Scientists will still be searching for the mysteries of the unknown. Okay, so it feels just a little bit like I just walked into Comic-Con on the deal. How many actually know what Comic-Con is? Oh, you guys are really bigger goobers than I thought. That's, wow, I am shocked. All right, so you guys, some of you guys are actually enjoying this. This is good. I, I, look, I get, it. I get that it, it, it may feel just a little strange and a little bit uh, off, and especially if you are visiting uh, church for the first time in a long time. I think if you hang in here a little while, not only are you going to get it, I think there's going to come a moment when you totally embrace this uh, whole uh, alien idea, and it gets pretty cool for it. So here, here's the deal. If you have been a Christ follower for any length of time, in other words, there's some point in your life where you made a decision and said, look, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ, and you've been doing that for a while, I guarantee you there's been a moment when you thought to yourself, has this entire world just gone crazy? I mean, what happened that everybody just kind of lost their heads? Because there'll be a moment when you look at somebody who's just spent a lifetime either abusing alcohol or trying to do drugs, and you go, really? Really? I mean, as destructive as that is to you physically, as destructive as that is to you socially, uh, do you actually believe that there's something that you can swallow or sniff or smoke that is somehow going to bring you lasting happiness? I mean, how in the world are you thinking that way? Uh, you, you look at a, a, a person who uh, spends their weekends heading out to the bars and, and seemingly just trying to see who's the next person I can go to bed with. And, and you just want to say... Uh, did the last 30 times work? I mean, when it was done and, you know, the morning came and, and were you any more fulfilled? Was that, was that ache in your soul any less profound? And, and so you're going back this Friday night and, and what, the, the next person's going to be mad? What, what, has everyone just gone insane? You've seen a person who just lives to make their pile a little bit bigger. It, they, they seem like, you know, if I could just get that little bit bigger house, you know, uh, four bedrooms didn't do it, but maybe if I had five bedrooms, I would be more fulfilled and I'd actually find the secret to happiness. Maybe, maybe leather upholstery in my car is going to definitely just go, guys, really, I mean, is everybody just kind of taken off their heads and gone crazy? And here's what you need to know. They're not the weird ones. You are. You're the weirdo. You're the one out of sync. The reality is, as you and I watch our neighbors and as we watch our coworkers, and as they go off and live their lives absolutely consistent with the culture and the thinking and the values of this world, they're not, they're not the ones that are different. You are. The reality is, you're the alien living on a foreign planet. You're the one that's out of sync 
with everybody else. And so the big question is, how did that happen? And when did it happen? And what you just need to know is simply this. If you're here today and you're pre-Jesus, in other words, you're still trying to even figure out if, if you even believe this God stuff or where it fits. And if you've run into a Christian and they made you feel like you were the, you're not the weird one. We are. We're the aliens. The reality is you are simply living the way everybody else is living. You're doing exactly what the patterns of this world you're pretty normal. But here's what you've got to figure out. Is it working for you? Because there's a whole room full of people sitting here today who used to live that way. And we've jumped ship. Uh, we joined the other team. We are aliens uh, in this world. So how did that happen to us? So grab your Bibles real quick. We'll take a look real quick. Because Scripture even said this is, this is what changed within our lives. This is, this is not that unusual. You and I really are aliens living on a foreign planet. So, uh, and, and I, you guys get, I don't mean that literally, because someone that starts calling Area 51, but I'm just saying, you and I who've come to Christ, we're odd men out. We're odd women out. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, uh, verse 17, because I think it just absolutely uh, describes this moment when everything changed for us. And if you're not real familiar with your Bibles, if you go to the back and then you work to the left, uh, you're going to find this book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Here's what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you've made that decision, you've made that commitment in your life, he, she, is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And you get what the Bible's saying in that moment is it's simply saying this, look, when you made that decision for Christ, everything changed. And guys, this isn't just a change in behavior. This isn't just a shift in priorities. That in that moment that you and I made that decision for God, that God literally came to live within us through the person of the Holy Spirit and you can't take God in and be the same person afterwards. And the Bible simply says this, the moment you became a Christ follower, the minute you made that decision for your life, you began to change. You began to be transformed from the inside out. So much so that this passage says, and you became a new creation. You became something different, a new creature distinct from who you ever were before. Jesus talking about this says, this is so profound. This is so, it's like you were born all over again. Everything that was part of the old is leaving, and everything about you is becoming different and new and better. Guys, if you've experienced this, then you know it, it, it's almost like scales falling from your eyes. And suddenly you say, wait, wait, are you kidding me? You mean I wasted that much time living that way? I mean, how in the world was I so destructive and how did I hurt so many? What was I thinking when I was doing that? How did I waste so much of my life going there? The other thing that happens for you and I is, is that sin begins to taste different. You begin to go, wow, I mean, I, that used to be like my favorite sin. It, 
just doesn't taste so great anymore. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying to you that sin doesn't still taste good. I'm just saying it doesn't taste as good. It's like when you go to a restaurant and you've got a favorite item that you always order and you go this time and suddenly about halfway through you go, somebody else must be back there cooking. And that's the way sin begins to feel because you're being changed from the inside out and suddenly you're going, wow, I just, I just remember sin tasting a whole bunch better than this. And that's the spirit of God changing you. And then all of a sudden you go, and man, sin's got this like horrible aftertaste. And it's the Spirit of God convicting you. And not only, not only are you being changed, but the Bible says it's as if you and I went from death and suddenly came to life. That, that, that you and I in the old way of living and the old way of thinking we, we weren't even close to experiencing what life could be, and it's like suddenly we were made alive. This is kind of like, ready? This is kind of like a monster movie in reverse. You know, whenever you see the monster movie, and it's usually zombies, and the zombie comes and bites you, and then suddenly you become a zombie. But in Christ, when Jesus bites you, you come alive. And you suddenly realize that everything that has transpired before this wasn't even living. And now suddenly, I'm alive. And guys, you just need to know, that makes you and me odd man out. And the aliens, it's us. And this is no longer home. And these are no longer our people. We're simply here visiting. Matter of fact, here's, here's what I'm going to suggest. That when this begins to sink in, that when you and I begin to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This world is no longer my home. It will begin to change how you think about every aspect of your life. This filter of, hey, I am simply here on a visit, and this is not my final destination, and this is not where I end up, and there's something bigger than the 80 short years that I live here. When that begins to move from something that you know to be true to something that you deeply and profoundly understand and believe to be true, the minute you and I begin to go, say to ourselves, I get it. I'm an alien on a visit then suddenly every one of our decisions will begin to change. Matter of fact, I think Jesus had exactly this conversation one day with his disciples. So grab your Bibles real quickly and go with me to Matthew chapter 6. It's going to be to the left in your Bible. Matthew chapter 6. And again, if you're not real familiar, Matthew is the beginning of what we call the New Testament. It's part of the Gospels, which are the four stories of the life of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Matthew chapter 6, it's verse 19. Here's what it says, okay? This is Jesus trying to help you and I understand this moment that you and I no longer belong to this world. It's Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Here's what Jesus says, you ready? Do not, look, look, whatever you do, whatever, don't do this. Don't, 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 don't. Don't live like this world is home. Ready? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, instead, do this, ready? Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And you get what you're saying. Look, look, this, play, this is just a temporary assignment. Look, don't, don't live your life for this world. Just don't, don't, even, don't even think about it because this is too temporary. It's too short. And you are to live, you were made to live for something that is bigger and something that is eternal. Okay, let me see if this helps. I need, I need two volunteers. Come on, it's not that bad, I promise. Two volunteers. Okay, so there's one. Come on, dude. All right, man, you're going to be able to do this. I need one more. One more volunteer. Okay, come on. <clears throat> okay, this is, this is going to be really simple. You guys are going to be glad you volunteered. Okay, just come over here with me. Okay, so here's what I just want you to do because we're going to help these guys out. I would like for you to explain the canonic theory of Christ's incarnation. Could you just do that real quickly? No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm not, no, I'm not going to make you do that. All I need you to do is hold that end of that rope. So you're going to stand right over here. Right there. Okay. And you're going to hold this end of the rope. Okay. All right. Right there. Okay. So here's the deal. This is a timeline. This is, this is all time for all eternity. This is you. This is, this is the 80 or so years that you and I get to live on the timeline of eternity. All right. So here's the deal. This section, this section of the t- timeline, that is all of eternity past. So you go all the way back to the formation of the world. You go all the way back to Adam and Eve. You go as far back as you possibly can. You go back to all the kings. You go back to all, all of that. All of that. All of time before today is, now, is this part. And then Jesus says, and now you get to live a dot. You get to live this tiny little 80-year span of eternity. And you realize, you, you, get, you get that in the reality of this, this dot is a thousand times too big. And the reality is, is that if we were talking about eternity, we, we should really have this, this rope going all the way out the door past Sun Lakes if we were talking about eternity, right? Matter of fact, Sun Lakes wouldn't be far enough. We, we should have it going all the way out the door past Sun Lakes, past Casa Grande if we were talking about eternity. And it still wouldn't be, you ready for this? It still wouldn't be long enough. And even if it went out the door, past Sun Lakes, past Cascarin, and we went to South America with this end of the rope, it still would not be long enough to represent eternity. Which is why, you ready? Jesus said, please, 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 tell me that you're not gonna live your life to make the dot better for yourself. Because there is so much to come. Please, please tell me, Jesus said, that you're going to live for eternity. Now, here's the deal. If you don't believe in eternity, or you just think, hey, there is nothing after this. I'm not sure that there's a God. 
I'm not sure, you know, I, I think you just die and you go in the ground and you get eaten by worms. And, and so all you get is the 80 years you've got. Well then, hey, then live for the dot. I mean, if you really believe that all we've got is the dot, then live for the dot. And here's the reality of it. Who cares what you do in the dot? Sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. Do whatever you got to do. Break whatever rule you've got to break. Who cares even if you break the law? Who cares? Because whatever it takes to make you happy in the dot, if all you have is the dot, then leave your family. Break. I don't care. Do whatever it takes to make the dot fulfilling because after this you're worm food. But if you realize this dot ain't home, see there's, there's a lot beyond the dot. Then Jesus says, for you to put all your effort, all your time into the dot would be insane. Because your life is more than the dot. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't live for the dot. Live the dot for the future. I'm going to get in trouble right now. I get it. I get it. Don't write me the emails. Just be mad. There is a horrible teaching going on in Christianity right now. It's kind of name it, claim it. And it has this idea that says, hey, if you do something really good in the dot, then God has to bless you in the dot. So if you serve at church, then God has to give you a bigger house. If, if you don't like the income you have right now, then tithe according to whatever you want your income to be, and then God will be obligated to raise your salary to match your tithe. And it's this whole idea that says, you and I can manipulate God to make our dot happier. Guys, look, let alone, let's just, that is absolutely anti what Jesus just taught. Jesus just said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the dot. But guys, it's dumb. Because here's the deal. Once my dot is done, then everything I had stays on the dot. And I go into eternity with none of it. When's the last time you saw a U-Haul at a funeral? See, the whole thing, you don't, you, you don't take any of this with you. And I don't want, here's the deal, the sacrifices I'm making to follow Jesus, the sacrifices you're making to follow Jesus, the faithfulness that you've had, you don't want God to bless you in the dot. I don't care if you're sick in the dot. I don't. Because if that's part of how God is getting honor so that God will then give me honor in eternity, count me in. And guys, some of, some of you go, well, then, You just want a bigger pile when you get to heaven. You're right. You're right. See, the last thing I want to do is be standing in heaven and God is passing out rewards. He's passing out honor for how I live the dot. And he gets to me and he goes, here's your little reward. And then I turn to the person next to me and they got like this huge, humongous pile. And I'm going, wow, 
What a life of regret. I left everything back on the dot. I'm just going to tell you, here's the deal, okay? I'm building big stinking piles in heaven. That's my plan. And if you get there with something really, really small, then I'm just going to laugh. No, I'm, I'm just going to feel sorry for you <laughs> on the other side. I'm just, guys, isn't this exactly what Jesus said? Don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare live for the dot. And the minute, guys, ready? The minute you and I realize that you and I are aliens on the dot and that this is not home, it'll change how you and I live on the dot. Okay, okay, you guys are good. Thank you for doing that. That was amazing dot holding. Thank you. Remarkable. Okay, thank you for doing that. I'm going to get back with you on the canonic theory, okay? So here's the second part. Here's the second part of this conversation. Not only does Jesus say, look, 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 if you're not careful, if you, ready for this? If you keep living the way that your neighbors live, if you keep acting the way that your co-workers act, if, if you keep following the culture and the lifestyle of your relatives who haven't figured out Jesus, if you live like the indigenous species of this world and you forget that you're an alien, you will live for the temporary and you will absolutely miss the eternal. But the second part that Jesus says is, guys, there is a huge rust factor in this world. Matter of fact, go back to the passage, it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Look what Jesus says. He says, do not, do not, do not, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And you get what Jesus saying? Guys, all the things of this world are susceptible to rust. They're only bright and shiny for a temporary moment. And then even the people of this world throw those things away. How many of you had an iPhone 1? How many of you want an iPhone 1 now? Okay, there you go. I've got one in my drawer. You can have it. There you go. Because here's the deal. Let's just be honest. When iPhone 1 came out, we were all like, hey! Now we're all sitting there going, dude, I got a cheesy 4. Wow, man. Why? Rust factor. Because all the things we see on TV, all the things that our friends have, all that stuff, that as you and I behave like them, if we're not careful, as you and I go chase all that stuff, as you and I live as if this world was home, Instead of living like aliens here on temporary assignment. Jesus says, you, you, don't you get it? That thing that you're giving your life to, that thing you're aching over in a very short while will be old. And it'll have lost its shine. And you'll be looking to trade it in on the newer model. It's the rust factor. One day I was uh, cleaning out my garage with my son, Joshua. He was about eight at the time. And you know what cleaning out the garage is code for? Getting rid of all the things you used to think you needed. And so here we are cleaning out the garage. Things that at the time we first got them, we thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is, this is exactly what I want. It was our favorite gift at Christmas. This is it. And then it got old. 
But here's the deal. We said, you know, it's too good to throw away. So we'll put it in the garage. Now here's the magic of the garage. Take anything and stick it in the garage for a year and a half and it suddenly becomes trash. Just, that's what it does. And so here we are cleaning out the garage of things that we used to think we really, really wanted and really, really needed that were too good to throw away just a year ago and now they're trash. And so we drive down to the dump and, and we unloaded our pickup truck in the same pile where thousands before us had done the same. And it occurred to me, I thought, this is a great father-son teaching moment for my son. And so I set us down on the back of the pickup bed, the tailgate, and I said to Joshua, hey, Josh, look out there, tell me what you see. And he gave me an amazing eight-year-old answer trash. And I said, well, no, 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 John. I, I, yeah, yeah. Look a little closer. Tell me specifics. Tell me items that you see out there in the trash. And he said, well, there's a doll over there. And he pointed to a doll. One of the eyes was missing. One of the arms was dirty and smudged. And I said, Josh, here's what you need to get. This is what needs to click for you. There was a moment. There was a moment in the life of a little girl that that doll was exactly what she wanted. She'd been walking through the store, she saw the doll, and she couldn't leave the store until she had it. There was a Christmas morning, and she came running down the steps, hoping and praying the one present she wanted under the tree was that doll. And now, and now it's trash. So what else do you see? And he said, well, there's a stove. And I said, well, here, here's what you need to know, Josh. There was a day. There was a day that there was a couple were walking through Sears. And they saw that stove. And they said, that stove would so upgrade our lives. We would be so much better with the self-cleaning oven feature. We've got to have it. And they sacrificed, and they, they made ends meet, and they got the stove. And when it was installed, they were so proud, and they took the little cloth, and they wiped it across to make sure they didn't scratch it. And there it is. Because, because, you ready? Because we live in a world with a high rust factor. And if you're not careful, you'll give your life You'll give your soul for things that rust and that moths eat. And it's why Jesus had the conversation to say, guys, don't you dare, don't you dare, whatever you do, don't live for this world. It's not home. You're an alien. You're only here for a brief 80-year visit. And then eternity. Live for that which is eternal, and don't live like the indigenous species of the earth. Live like an alien. When you and I get this, when this sinks in, Everything is going to change. All of our conversations, all of our thoughts, all of our behaviors, because we'll begin to live for the mother planet. 
will begin to live for heaven. Matter of fact, there's this amazing passage. It's Hebrews chapter 11. And if you're not really familiar, you, you want to go read it sometime. Hebrews chapter 11 is God's hall of fame. It's a list of amazing Christ followers. People who got out there and lived for God in a way that just makes the rest of us look like amateurs. And in this list, in this hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, there's one guy who stands above the rest. He's like the Babe Ruth of the hall of fame. And his, his name's Abraham. And God describes how Abraham lived such a remarkable life. And, and if you're not really, really familiar with Abraham, here's, here's kind of the short version of the story. Abraham is living in a place called Ur. And suddenly, get this, suddenly one day God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave all your family members. I want you to leave your business. And, and, and I want you to leave your house. I'm going to move you to a new land. And Abraham, you ready? By faith, leaves all that stuff behind. How do you do that if you're living for this planet? And he moves to where God moves him. When he gets there, it's a pretty cool place. Uh, he brought his nephew Lot with him. And one day Lot comes and says, Abraham, you know, we got here to this new place, but we're being blessed. And my herd's getting bigger and your herd's getting bigger. We just need to kind of divide this up because there's a lot of conflict going on between our herds. And uh, we should divide the land. And Abraham says, okay, we'll do that. And Lot says, well, who gets to choose which side? And Abraham says, well, Lot, you go ahead and choose. And so Lot says, okay, I'll take the good land. I'll take the land with all the trees and all the grass, all the water. That's the land I'll take. Never mind that it happens to be right next to Sodom and Gomorrah, but I'll take that piece of land. Abraham says, okay, I'll take the more arid land. I'll take the place that doesn't have quite as green grass and doesn't have as much water. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. How does Abraham do that? Because he was not dependent on the natural resources of this world to be his blessing. Abraham gets to 100 years of age, and God says, hey, I'm going to give you a son. And, and, and the Bible says, even though Abraham's body was dead, in other words, there was no physical chance this guy was going to have a son. He trusted God. And his young bride, Sarah, of 90, conceives Isaac. When Isaac gets a little bit older, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, you know what? I'm a little too concerned that you love Isaac more than you love me. So here's what I'm thinking. How about if we just take Isaac out and sacrifice him? You know, stab him, burn him up. That's what I'm thinking. And Abraham says, I don't get it, but if that's what God requires. And as he journeys to go sacrifice Isaac, as he gets to the base of the mountain, he turns to the servants that are with him, and he says to his servants, you ready for this? The boy and I are going to go off and offer a sacrifice, and the boy and I will return. Now you tell me what Abraham believed about God that God could even bring dead people back to life. And you go, how did Abraham, how did that man live like that? How did that man have that level of faith in God? And Hebrews chapter 11 tells you and me the answer. So grab your Bibles, let's go. Hebrews chapter 11. 
going to be almost to the back of your Bible. If you closed your Bible, the easiest thing to do is just go to the back and work to the left. Hebrews chapter 11, God's hall of fame. Here's Abraham, smack dab in the middle. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 9. Here's what it says. Ready? By faith, he, talking about Abraham, he, Abraham, made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were his heirs, with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city whose foundations, whose architect and builder was God. Let let me read you the same passage out of the New American Standard, because I think it maybe even says it more clearly. Here you go. New American Standard, Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 9. Here's what it says. By faith, he, Abraham, lived as an alien... Someone who knew it wasn't home. He was simply there for a visit. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents. You get, he doesn't even build a house there because he says, everything I build here gets left behind. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for a city whose foundations, whose architect and builder is God. What city is that? It's heaven. It's heaven. And it's simply saying this, Abraham got it. This isn't home. I'm here like an alien, and I'm not going to give my life to it. I'm not going to invest my soul in it. I'm going to tread as lightly as I can because I'm sending everything on ahead to heaven. Because this is only a temporary assignment. Imagine this. Imagine you go into work tomorrow. And uh, they call you in uh, to your supervisor's office. He says, hey, good news. We just got awarded this huge government contract. Our company is going to be right dead center in rebuilding Afghanistan. And uh, so what we're looking for is people who will accept a one-year assignment to go over there. You're going to do the same job you do here. You're going to do it over there. Only difference is this. We're going to pay you three times your salary. And so we're looking for people who are willing to volunteer and go do it. And so you start thinking about it, and you go, well, you know, there's some sacrifice here. I'm going to have to leave my family and friends and, you know, communicate long distance for a year. But when am I ever going to get another chance to earn three times my salary? I mean, I could tuck away a lot of money and... So you go back and you say, you know what, I'll do it. For 12 months, 12 months, I'm okay, I'll do it. And so you sign the papers, you get on the plane, you fly over. When you land, they take you to the compound uh, and and they say, okay, here's some rules and things you need to know as you're here in Afghanistan. Here's what's safe, here's what's not safe. And then they say, you know, we don't know if they told you this or not. Everything you buy in Afghanistan stays in Afghanistan. You're not allowed to take any of it back to the United States with you. Now, I don't know about you, but the minute they tell me that, that changes everything, because here's the deal. On the plane flight over, I was looking in the catalog at 180-inch flat-screen TVs. And now that I find out, whoa, 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 nothing you buy in Afghanistan gets to go back to the States with you. You know what sort of TV I'm going to go buy? Black and white, rabbit ears, tinfoil. You know, I, I, I was thinking I was going to buy a car when I was in Afghanistan. Boy, the type of car I've got, it's just going to totally change. 
You know what type of car I'm buying in Afghanistan? I'm buying a car that lasts 12 months and one day. That's the car I'm buying in Afghanistan because nothing goes back. Everything I buy in Afghanistan stays in Afghanistan. Guess what Jesus just said? Guess what Abraham just told us? Everything you buy in this world, everything you live for in this world, stays. You don't get to take any of it with you. Welcome to Afghanistan. And you and I are here as aliens on temporary assignment. And the smartest thing you and I can do is tread as lightly as we can here and send as much as we can on ahead. Which means, you ready? Every conversation changes when you know you're an alien. Here's what I'm thinking. If you know you're an alien, and all of a sudden someone says, hey, you know, we were looking for someone to maybe serve in church. You know, we, we, we need some help with the teenagers, and someone could just be a sponsor over there and, and help out. And, or you know what, we need someone to help us with sets and build sets so that when people come in on Sunday, they can hear the word real clearly and we can have a lot of fun, but the message gets out there. Or, you know, the truth is we just need some handyman work and you could just do the same thing you kind of do naturally, but you do it here at the church, you know. And right now, right now, because we're thinking like we are citizens of this world, because right now we don't get that we're, you know what, we, we answer the way that someone who thought this was home would answer. And we go, look, I, that's nice. I, I, I don't have time for that. Are you kidding me? And I mean, I, I got to drive the kids to soccer practice, and I've, I've, I've just got other commitments in my life. And you know, maybe, maybe when life slows down, you know, maybe, maybe I, you know, I could probably, maybe, no, sir, yeah. But if you and I knew that we were aliens, if you and I knew that the greatest opportunity of our life is to live for something that goes beyond our life. And someone came to us and said, hey guys, we've got a chance for you. To, we've got a chance for you to mentor and touch teenage lives. We've got a chance for you to fix doorknobs just to do handyman work like you normally. We've got a chance to do sets in the church. Or we, 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 we've got all... If you and I realized that all of a sudden we were given the opportunity going, wait, 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 wait a minute. You mean you're going to let me do something that has eternal significance? You mean you're going to let me do something that Jesus would stand and applaud? Are you kidding me? Sign, we would have people standing in line to serve if we knew we were aliens. How about growth moments? <laughs> See, when, when, when we say, hey, look, uh, We've got small churches going on in that hallway on Sunday, and you could go in there and grow, or you could go to a small group during the week, or you could come to the Tuesday night mine, or you could go to a men's ministry or women's ministry. And right now, because we think this is home, we go, look, here's the deal. Uh, you realize that's right in the middle. Uh, that's right in the middle of Charlie's Angels. I, I just, I don't have time. I, favorite show ever. Dr. Phil is that hour. Dr. Phil. 
But if you and I got it, if you and I say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're telling me there's a second opportunity at church to grow? You're telling me there's another hour of great teaching and I could just put a whole bunch of Jesus all over me and I could be stronger in my faith and more like Christ? Are you kidding me? And we would, we, you guys right? We'd be DVRing. See, we wouldn't have any problem staying an extra hour at church on Sunday. we say, look, here's the deal. I'll just record the game. I'll watch it when I, are you kidding me? I've got a chance to change my life eternally. No way. You're kidding. And the classrooms would all be full. When the offering plate's passed. And because this feels like home and there's vacations to buy and cars to get and houses to upgrade. And the offering plate comes by and we go, oh, I gave five bucks last week. Come on. But if you and I got the moment, if you and I understood that this isn't home and we're only aliens here sending it on, you realize when that offering plate comes by, we'd go, wow, are you, really? You mean, you're, wait, 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 let me get this. You're going to take what I give I don't even have to lift another finger. You're going to leverage that into eternity. You're going to go change lives for God, and I get the interest on it. I mean, I get credit for it because I gave it. Are you kidding me? We'd be applauding when the offering plate came. We'd be going, wow, what a great opportunity. Oh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to practice applauding the offering plate. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to practice applauding right now. Whoa, no, too soon, too soon, too soon. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go one, two, three. It's offering time, and we're going to go, okay, we're just going to, as loud as we can. You ready? One, two, three. It's offering time. Okay, so that's totally cool. So here's what I'm going to do. All right, all right, all right. So in a minute, the band's going to come out, and they haven't seen the service because they don't watch the service. They're a bunch of heathens. That's just, that's just what worship guys do. But here's the deal. When, he, when they come out and they go, hey, it's offering time, we're going to freak them out. And we're going to go, Woo-hoo-hoo! right there. And they're, you know, they're going to collapse because they've never seen you know, people applaud. Okay, so we're just going to do that. Because guys, 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 if you and I got it, that this ain't home, we'd start living like aliens. So here's my nudge today. Here's, here's what I'm going to simply ask you to do. We're going we're to be in this series for the next four weeks. So I'm just going to ask you for the next 30 days. Would you do this? Okay? Just would you do this? It's a starting point in the conversation. Would you, for the next 30 days, simply at the beginning of each day say, God, God, would you give me the opportunity today to do one thing that has eternal significance? Just give me that moment. And guys, I don't, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's you're going to read your Bible a few minutes extra. I, I don't know if it's you're going to go over to that coworker and say, hey, have you ever tried church? I'd like to. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you're going to be generous and help somebody who's in. I don't know what that moment is. But what if for the next 30 days we made a covenant together to say that at least for one moment every single day I'm going to live like an alien. I'm going I'm to do something that has eternity written all over it and just see what God would do with my life. 
See what a difference that would make for 30 days. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we, uh, we simply come before you today. And, and here's what we have to confess. It's been a while. The reality is we've, we've kind of gotten into the rut of living like everybody else lives, like people who don't understand eternity and don't understand that this world is not worth their lives. And God, we... We spend our time where they spend their time and we spend our money where they spend their money and we look like we belong to this world instead of like aliens. And God, I'm just gonna ask that today would be the day that that all begins to change. That you would just nudge us today that, that for the next 30 days, you would bring a moment in our lives that we don't even expect, that we don't even know what it is right now. And when it comes, we'd go, oh my goodness, this is my alien moment. This is my chance to do something today that touches eternity. And that God, we would simply in that moment live like an alien, like someone who believed that eternity was coming and that this life was incredibly short. God. change us in the next 30 days. This is not home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.